unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time, dear listeners, we are traveling back to 1987 to review another cult classic. I was going to say to George, it's a Spielberg film, but in fact, it's brought to us by Joe Dante, and it is Inner Space. It is indeed. So it's a, a Spielberg production. Obviously, he had his, his fingerprints over many films in the 80s, many 80s classics, and this is one of them. Yeah, and it does... In terms of um, a, a finish is what I call it, the Spielberg effect, the Spielberg finish. And also, I think you'll have to remind me, where does this sit like in terms of timing with Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? When did that, was that later? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is, I think, the following year. I think that's 88. Yeah. And um, Honey, I, Honey, I Blew Everyone. No, sorry, that's, that's, that's another film entirely. That's something uh, very different. Okay, no, so for me, this takes the mantle for um, an amazing uh, miniature, miniature type film. So we're going to go to some crazy late 80s places. We've got Meg Ryan. We've got, is it Dennis Quaid? Douglas Quaid? Quaid. No. Quaid. Douglas Start Quaid. the reactor. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the wrong Quaid. Dennis Quaid. And of no, course, there are there are some connections to Total Recall I'm, that I'm going to put, pull out. So look, look forward to that. And of course, Martin Short, the lovely Martin Short. So uh, sit back and if you've not listened to Retro Ramble before, this is our 101st or maybe 102nd episode. 102nd. 102nd. We are five years strong. Please go back and check out some of our other episodes. But if you've not listened before, here's George with a quick recap on some general housekeeping. So we are uh, an independent film podcast. Charlie and I are brothers. The point of this podcast is Charlie and I reminiscing, looking back at the films that we grew up with, seeing how these films still hold up. You know, do have they aged well? Have they aged poorly? Um, what made the film so great? How do they come together in the first place? Have they been remade, rebooted, spun off into a Netflix series? So we're going to go into these films in detail. There will be spoilers from the very off. There may also be some bad impressions and some colourful language, so be careful if you're listening to this in public. Yeah, and some childish humour. We watched the majority of these films when we were young, and I think our reaction remains to this day. So uh, no offence intended if you saw these films at an older age than us and you had a mature response, don't look down on us uh, We, if we make light of it. It comes so, from a good place. Yeah, a place of love. Mm. So, uh, without further ado, uh, are we queuing up the trailer? Are we gonna are we gonna drop that into this intro? We will drop it in. Test pilot Tuck Pendleton wants to make history. Supermarket clerk Jack Putter needs a vacation. Jack, Sir, I'm Jack, sorry. you're late. That's not good. You know it's coupon day. Lieutenant Pendleton is about to be miniaturized. 
placed into this needle and then injected into this rabbit. Rock and roll. But something went wrong. And Tuck's about to get a new destination. <gasps> Inside Jack Putter. I'm in a man. Hello, can you hear me? I'm possessed! Now, Jack's got twice the problems. How you doing, Jack? But he's double the man. With Tuck on his side. Kicking more cows! <laughs> in his gut. <laughs> and on his case. You're not gonna back groceries all your life, are you, Jack? And only 24 hours left for Jack to get out of danger. So that Tuck can get out of Jack. Dennis Quaid, Martin Short. Give yourself a shot of adventure. Inner Space. So, George, 1987, Joe Dante. I know that name. He's been on this podcast before. Well, not literally, but his films have. Where Joe do we know him from? Well, uh, I was going to say Joe Dante has his own podcast, um, but uh, no, Joe Dante is probably most famous for one of our um, a film from one of our earliest episodes uh, for Gremlins and Gremlins Two. He did uh, Small Soldiers and he did The Howling, which was one of his. We 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 mentioned briefly when we were covering um, American Werewolf because it was a competing werewolf movie. So I think yeah, his his. Uh, Beginnings were in horror, uh, and then he moved into more sort of wacky, cartoony, more playful stuff. Animatronics. Uh, yeah. with Thank God, because, yeah, those films you mentioned are right up there. Oh, and he also right. did uh, another, there's another um, cult classic that we've got on our list, and I think a few people have requested, but we haven't covered yet, uh, The Burbs. He did the, he followed this up with The Burbs. It's funny you mentioning those films because I'm just that's where that guy who's in yeah. this film is from, and that's where that guy. From yeah, this film he he is. is uh, he's quite, he is quite renowned for using s s the same people crop up in his films, but this doesn't start with Joe Dante. So this came out in '87. This starts in the early '80s, and the original draft was written by a guy called Chip Proser. What a nice name! Nice name. Nice um, name. And it started off as. A, a serious spy movie originally okay. and it was picked up by a producing partnership peter goober and john peters and we've covered them before because they produced and made a lot of money on the original batman 1989 tim burton's batman and they also did the same year one of our more famous episodes tango and cash Printing money, brother. They were just printing. Print Imagine 89 for them. Woo! To, to do Batman and then Tango and Cash. Exactly. Like do, do, we could do anything. So they were at Universal at the time. And I say they had uh, the option on, on the original script. And Peter Guber even and uh, showed it to Joe Dante, who was working at Universal at the time. And Joe Dante was, wasn't interested in a serious spy movie. And he also said... There's like there's quite a famous film uh, from the '60s, uh, Fantastic Voyage, uh, where our a, a crew are shrunk down and put into I think the president's body, and have to right. save the president. There's some sort of I think the president's been given a lethal 
uh, poison and the only way to cure them is, is shrinking down a team to to est- extract the poison or something. I so love it. a, the, the a... simplest way to, do, apart right. from an antidote, exactly. the simplest way is to take a team this of people, is the invent miniaturize it, invent miniaturization. <laughs> Editor's note, Fantastic Voyage is actually about a submarine crew who has shrunk to microscopic size and venture into the body of an injured scientist to repair damage to his brain after a failed assassination attempt. Not the president. However, George may be getting confused with the many attempts to remake Fantastic Voyage by directors including James Cameron, Guillermo del Toro, Paul Greengrass and Roland Emmerich. Apologies for the confusion. Thank you. So I haven't seen Fantastic Voyage. I'm assuming you haven't, but yeah, it's it's like quite a colourful, wacky 60s film. And I think that has been like a long mooted on the remake thing, but they've never got round to it. But he was like, yeah, it's it's kind of been done. Uh, I'm not interested. A few years later... Peter Guber then gets uh, a guy called Jeffrey Bohm uh, to rewrite the script. And Jeffrey Bohm's name's come up on our podcast before. He is quite a skilled uh, rewriter. So he did uh, a lot of rewrites on the Lethal Weapon series. So he took out the darker elements of Shane Black's original Lethal Weapon uh, scripts. He also did a lot of uh, writing on Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. So he took this series script and he turned it into a comedy. Uh, And as he pitched it, imagine Dean Martin being shrunk and put into Jerry Lewis. So that was enough to get Joe Dante uh, interested because, yeah, Joe Dante is a big fan of sort of 50s and 60s movies. His his movies have have referenced that. And, yeah, the, the Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin double act, they did a bunch of movies and it was always like, yeah, straight man, wacky man sort of type thing. But according to Jeffrey Bohm, it wasn't just Joe Dante that was interested. There was a lot of other big directors that were interested in making it. So Richard Donner, John Carpenter, and Steven Spielberg were all interested in doing it. And so much so, uh, Spielberg's production company, Amblin, uh, picked up the rights uh, to produce it in partnership with Peters and Guber. And originally, Spielberg wanted Robert Zemeckis he of Back to the Future to make it, but Robert Zemeckis wasn't interested. So obviously Spielberg and Joe Dante had worked together on Gremlins, so he passed it over back to Joe Dante. That's amazing. It's and just to think of what was going on at the time, this 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 caliber of of directors and, and production. And if I was wearing a hat, sorry, I don't have one nearby, it's hats off to Spielberg. I was running through his filmography, you know, it starts slow. But then from Jaws onwards, it's just like, bam, 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 bam. Mm. Every single film. Uh, I haven't seen West Side Story that came out um, in 2021. Because my question would be, what have you done for us lately, Stephen? Where have you gone? But, you know, I guess maybe he's taking a bit more of a backseat, more of a production. I, d- I don't know. Do you know what he's been? Well, yeah, he's, he's still he's still fairly pro- prolific. I mean, he... I think he had he passed up the reins on Indiana Jones five or the 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 Zimmer frame of destiny uh, because because <laughs> he's too busy. Uh, I think he's All right. so. There's stuff coming. Maybe he took a break during COVID. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I think he. I, yeah, I think he's still churning out stuff. Um, now I haven't seen. I'm trying to think of the last 
Spielberg film I saw. I think it was um, The Post, uh, the one about, is it the paper that breaks the Watergate scandal or whatever? But it was brilliant, you know, about, it was one of those very engrossing things about a very dry subject. Yeah, that's uh, not the one. Uh, yeah, it's Meryl, Meryl Streep. No, and no, no, we we started watching the other paper expose about the priests. Which one's that? Spotlight, which I haven't seen because it, it looks an amazing cast. It's an amazing film, but I'm just like, oh, it just sounds so. No, bleak. we we didn't get through it. We got about mm. like seventy five percent. Is that? Do you want to keep watching? No, no, it's mm. it's yeah. late. Let's let's yeah. watch this some other time. Um, no, but I mean, I th- the reason I, I say like, what's he done for us lately is when you you know, I mean, Steven Spielberg. We talked about this before on the podcast. The only link I'd like to make to our last episode when I was saying, thank God we have, you know, uh, Christopher Nolan, we've got Denny Villeneuve, you know, we've got James Cameron. Uh, who else have we got, George? Come on, who are the other big names? The, the guys who are keeping cinema going. And Christopher Macquarie, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think that, that Spielberg has been for so long, just it's that magic. It's that sparkle. It's And it's all over this film for me. Yeah, I mean, he... Yeah, he, so he, Spielberg's just got an Oscar contender out at the moment, so which is supposed to be sort of semi-autobiographical. Uh, Meet the Fablemans, or it's just called the Fablemans, I think. Mr. Fudderman. No, not the Fudderman's. <laughs> that's 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 that's. We'll that's get to different. him. We'll get we'll get to him. No, um, it's is it? Are you trying to tell me it's Oscar season? I had no idea. There's no all these idea. High, all these highbrow films around in the cinema. Is it Oscar season? <laughs> But yes, you're right. You know, getting back to his, he was a very busy man in in the 80s when he wasn't knocking out hit after hit. He was, you know, he was, I say, he was um, ushering in, a sort of giving other people a leg up and giving them a lot of creative freedom. I think that's one thing Joe Dante talks about in terms of there was very little studio interference. I think he was like, Spielberg was a good sort of protector of just letting people get on with it and saying, have you got everything you need, right? Go, and giving his suggestions, he was very collaborative, but not, oh, I've got some notes from the studio sort of type thing. And am I right thinking he did something similar with J.J. Abrams? Did they work together? Yeah, together? yeah. I mean, obviously, J.J. Abrams, uh, you know, was a massive, as he- you know, grew up with Spielberg and was massively aping his style. But I think, yeah, they sort of did a few partnerships of, of you know, working together. And, and even Spielberg spent some time, he produced a few Michael Bay movies. So obviously Transformers, I think the first Transformers is a Spielberg production. The first Transformers film for me is a great film. And I, I will, I, I will, I will, I'll, I'll testify to that for, for a long time. The rest. <laughs> <laughs> still, not still so making good. them, still making not, them. We're not done yet. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so where are we now? We're, we're still on production chat Island. Well, we haven't we, even started talking about the effects, brother. Well, we haven't. And let's talk uh, casting first. So. Oh, the dream boats. Where do we start? So, so oh, uh, originally the, the character played by Dennis Quaid, Tuck Pendleton, was uh, originally supposed to be a an older uh, sort of washed up pilot in his mid to late forties, but it was actually Spielberg who suggested Dennis Quaid and said he had a a world weary quality despite being in his early thirties, which I right. think works well with with um, Dennis Quaid. Um, Martin Short he had done Three Amigos the previous year, but this was his first lead role. Obviously, he had been doing Saturday Night Live and. Um, other sort of comedy TV, but this was his biggest film role to date. And Dante says the the chemistry between Shaw 
and Quaid was was key to you know the, the selling of the film and there was actually you know despite it being a rewritten into a comedy script there was a lot of improv between the two of them and I actually, got that later in the film this starts there's clearly bits where they just go with it yeah and tell. but because it was actually quite a technically challenging film if you think about you know Paul Dennis, Paul, yeah. Paul, Paul, Paul Dennis Quaid is basically in the pod the whole film. They have very little like face-to-face time. So to to actually get around that and capture that improv, Martin Short actually wore a hidden earpiece and Dennis Quaid would be hidden offset, like communicating with him. And Brilliant. so they could react in real time. And when it came around to Dennis Quaid filming all his stuff in the pod, Again, they had Martin Short talking to him through the his, his headphones yeah. to, to keep it like rather than just playing recorded dialogue and reacting to it. And I think that really does come through. You do kind of forget about how well it works that that jumping between him inside the body and Martin Short out well outside the body, effectively. Yeah, it's it's crazy because I think one thing that struck me seeing uh, Dennis Quaid is just like so young, looks like a top gun. Like, is he like? rehearsing for Top Gun, you know, like the hair and, you know, he's just as as hunky and hairy and sweaty as any of the Top Gun actors of the same sort of time because Top Gun... Was he's very sense. dashing. You're right. He's yeah. he's very charming. And considering he's, he's, he's playing something that wouldn't fly in today's films, he's a lovable alcoholic. I was going to say, he's a drunk. <laughs> yeah. In basically, essentially, an abusive relationship with, with Meg Ryan, but it's played for laughs. You know, the 80s yeah. were a simpler time. A much, much simpler time. Yeah, it's like, and, and, and well, let's just say Meg Ryan. Oh, the my God. Lovely Meg Ryan. So this was her, this was her first big role um, off the back of Top Gun. So obviously Top Gun was... Was a, was a huge film, but she's a very small part of that film. Yeah. But a lot um, of people saw her in that film, so they're like, okay, she's got. Let's let's put her in something bigger. Yeah. But apparently, they tested loads of actresses before they got to. She was qu- uh, cast quite late in the day, um, and uh, there was a very long list of who's who of all the people that tested for the role and then and didn't get it. But is that going to come up later in a feature dedicated to such topics? Actually, I I didn't because I, I just read that list and I was like. That it's basically every female, main female, you know, Sylvester in, Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, in a way, <laughs> um, in the eighties. I so I haven't included that one for coulda, woulda, shoulda, but yeah, um, apparently saw a lot of people. And finally, last part of casting, our good friend Vernon Wells. I don't need the gun, John. <laughs> um, yes, Mister Bennett, uh, and also the, the the dude from Mad Max. So yeah, Vernon Wells. He was a replacement, so they'd cast another actor, and uh, apologies, uh, I read the name and didn't recognise it, but they cast this other guy as Mr. Igo, and the producers, I think it was one of the in- interventions the producers had said, it just they saw the dailies and just said, this guy's not working, he's not threatening enough, because apparently he was a similar height to Martin Short, <laughs> and they were like, no, we need a big assassin. And I think it was Spielberg that, that uh, pushed for Vernon Wells, because I think it's in... Time and Singh's book, Born to be Bad, he talks about it, uh, Vernon Wells, and he said, you know, Stephen, he was like a, a bit sick of being pigeonholed by his role in Mad Max 2, that he was this crazy punk with wild eyes and wild voice. And Spielberg's like, I want to use you as a villain, but 
I'm going to hide gonna your say a thing. You're, you're not, not going to say, say a thing. thing. I'm going to hide your zany eyes behind sunglasses. So sort of like I'm in. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good for him. Uh, final bit of uh, casting. Uh, Joe Dante uh, points out that for the the scenes in the lab, uh, a lot of the people in the in those scenes are real scientists because they were more convincing than extras trying to play scientists. I, I, I can believe that. I can believe mm. that, and I'm and I'm sure we'll get to before we move on to the say the lesser known actors. Can we just talk about the comedy slapstick gold that is Martin Short? Martin Short is he's amazing. He is a he, he should be treasured. He should be protected at all costs. I think I said in our review of 2022, um, we uh, I, my wife and I have been watching only, only murders. murders. Oh, he's amazing. Only murders in, in the building. He is, he is well, obviously the Steve Martin, but he, him and Martin together are the reason you watch that show. Yeah, and you forget how funny they can be. And I've I've actually gone back and watched some of um, Martin Short's uh, sketches. Like he has this recurring celebrity interview. I think he's called like Jimmy Glick or something, and he's in this fat suit, and he's just really yes. obnoxious to I've all. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, I, I, there's like a 20 minute montage I was watching, and he's just like horrible to all these people, but he's hilarious. <laughs> I've seen it. I think he interviews somebody like um, Jennifer Aniston or somebody similar. Oh, he, he interviews loads of people, and it's just and them just all just grotesque. trying to not like break. <laughs> They're just all breaking down, laughing because he's just so horrible. It, it remains. It reminds me of the sort of uh, the Mick Hucknall from Bo Selector because he's he's almost like touching them, you know. Yeah. But yeah, he's brilliant in this. He's all over the place. For me, nobody could have done this role as well as he does. The way he's throwing himself about and behaving as if his body is not—he's not in control of his own body. I, th- yeah. I think it's amazing casting for me. And apparently, he uh, again, Joe Dante reveals that he, um, one thing that Mark Short did, he kept insisting on doing more, more, more takes. Like he was like, no, I, I, I want to try something else out. Keep going, keep going. And he would be literally, uh, Joe Dante said that Martin Short would be on his knees doing his best Catherine Hepburn impression saying, please, Joe, I need more takes. <laughs> he was determined just keep working in it and trying things out. And they said some some scenes were originally very static, but slowly like Martin Short would, like that scene in the doctor's office where he's knocking everything left, right and yeah. centre because he's so nervous. That would, that all just came from Martin Short improvising. But yeah, I can't get, I, I almost feel like, I mean, you said to me when you were watching this, where what happened to Dennis Quaid? Why didn't we see him in more stuff? Because there was like the, the day after tomorrow and this, what was well, he, he's, I looked through his IMDb and he's been busy and he was really busy in the noughties. There was, yeah, I, there was Day After Tomorrow. There was like Vantage Point, Pandora. I mean, he, he, he kept himself in steady work, but it just feels like he should have had more proper leading roles. I don't it know shows... if he just made some made some bad choices. Because when I think of Dennis Quaid, I think of gruff, uh, no nonsense. But in this, he's really charming, and yeah, he plays the comedy really, really well. You've you've heard that you've heard this come up in recent years, where uh, normally it's it's women who are like saying that. Well, we're looked over. You get to a certain age, we're not good looking enough. They look below, but. Obviously, it doesn't happen. It happens to a lesser extent to men, but there's only so many leading role parts. I, I think I think that's probably what happened to him. You know, like 
He's been around at the same. He's of a similar age. Think of the actors. He's, he's a Kevin similar. Costner, isn't he? Really? Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. He's against. He's against those sort of actors. And there's only so many films coming out that can take him. So glad to see he stayed busy. Really enjoyed him in this. Um, should we talk about the other um, Joe Dante favorites? Yes, Dem- yes, damn, 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 Fudderman's and 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 um, Martin Short's boss from <laughs> yeah. So I've I've got this down. <laughs> that, that's the Blues Brothers. <laughs> that, that's why um, I've I've put in in my notes that I love. I really do enjoy uh, revisiting this film. I watched it actually a couple of years ago, and I forgot how like charming it is. How funny! Obviously, you've got the the core cool trio of of Quaid, yeah, Short, the three and, and the Ryan. threesome. <laughs> but it, but it is populated by some great characters. Yeah, as you say, you've got the, he's basically Joe Dante's like lucky calling card. You've got the guy called Dick Miller, the the guy that's Mister Futterman, also the uh, the gun shop owner from Terminator. Hey, of course, well, only what you see, pal. Love um, him. And you have yes, the supermarket manager, who's a guy called Henry Gibson, who is in the Blues Brothers. The and we go and we go on to have a bigger role in the Burbs. With I've just written down the line. You have a big future in food retail marketing. Just don't go psycho on me. <laughs> <laughs> it's still deadpan delivery. It's amazing. Yeah. Jack, you're a mess. <laughs> yeah, he's great. And obviously, yeah, we've talked about the amazing Vernon Wells as basically like a Terminator. And also one of the comedy highlights in this is Mr. Cowboy. What? It's the guy from Star Trek. Yeah. It's so like, uh, what... Robert Picardo is his name. Yeah, I mean, he's brought in, and it's like a weird time to like. Who is he? Is he a hitman? Is he a is he a dealer? He's he's really... a Libyan tech dealer that's obsessed with being a cowboy. Obviously, Charlie. And uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I was reaching. Maybe I took a break, but like, how did Meg Ryan know who he was? Knew he was coming into town? Is that because she's an investigative? She's an investigative journalist, ju- journalist reporter. She's, she's a Lois Lane when the plot needs her. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I did um, like but him. but I I think he's great. I mean, just and that whole um, wow, yeah, the face the face changing scene thing that they do. So so that is yeah something we want to talk about. So you you said about uh, the special effects. So there's some amazing special effects in this. There's the stuff that you and I always bang on about. There's some great use of miniatures. Our friends at uh, Lucas's place ILM did all the the special effects for the pod stuff and the inner body stuff so i think for the like fat cells they were like balls of of jelly or jello and apparently yeah fantastic voyage is a very colorful sort of wacky psychedelic 60s f- film inside the body dennis muir in the one of the lead guys at ilm wanted to go for like really <laughs> really realistic so that's why it's really hazy there's particles in the water or in the bloodstream and so much so i think roger ebert was convinced he's like oh yeah there's it's great how they're into into cutting real footage of of the bloodstream with with film footage and they're like no that's that's yeah. all vfx that's all ilm wow so they did all, all the pod stuff, but when it gets to the face changing stuff, and you know when is like, uh, I mean, obviously there's there's them just doing a bit of wacky faces with a uh, you know an air uh, gun, a or Hoover, something. Uh, an air yeah. gun or a Hoover, yeah, yeah. But you know the bit where he's like going nuts in his hair in his head. Total going, Recall, and it's the same guy. That's Rob Botine, uh, who ah. did all the yeah the the eyes popping out 
for Total Recall. Two uh, weeks. <laughs> and he also Two weeks. <laughs> and he also did worked with Joe. We talked about Rob Botin because he did the stuff on the thing. And he originally worked with Joe Dante on the howling. So he was poached by Joe Dante when uh, John Landis wanted originally wanted him to do the werewolf effects on American Werewolf. But I've got there's a great I try to find uh, the clip of it on YouTube, but the original scene when Jack turns into the cowboy and he walks out of the bathroom and they're overdubbing it with Martin Short's voice, but it's Robert Picardo. If you look at the scene closely, they do a really great bit of practical movie magic. He comes out of shots. They send in like a put in a double and he runs around essentially and tears off his clothes to get back in the bath. So when they see him walking in I was thinking about himself, that. Yeah, yeah, it's a really clever, because I was like, wow, is they do a split shot? Because I was thinking of they done some 1918 stuff, you know, like where they've done a, a mix. Yeah, but yeah, essentially he walks off screen. They send in a double, probably Martin Short, from yeah. the back. And he runs around the camera, rips off his rips off his clothes. They change wigs all in the space of a few seconds. So wow, yeah. Try and try and you know if you've got the film, look out for that scene. It's a brilliant bit of practical movie magic. What, what you've seen up into that point, you're like, yeah, it's believable. They've changed his hair, but then when they cut back and you see the other one in the bath, yeah, you're like with, with different hair. You're like, okay, something's happened here. That's clever. Yeah. Uh, some brilliant special effects. And again, I don't think it, the special effects as a whole. Doesn't detract from, but the, from it, the plot. And and it hasn't aged too badly. It st- no. stands up pretty well in, in the, in the all, I would say. And even some of the stunt work, there's a bit where uh, Martin Short's hanging off the end of that lorry and one foot on the car. And you can see it's Martin Short's. Obviously yeah. there's bits where you can see where it's swinging about and it's clearly a stuntman, but there is a bit where he is spread eagle between yeah. a car and a truck, and it's it's really he's, well done. He's definitely got some Jackie Chan in him, hasn't he? He's just Absolutely, like, I will do it. I will do it. I will do it for the for the sake of the because that's the thesp in him. And I think, uh, yeah, you know, you, we talked about it before, but you really see it in in Murders in the Building. It's like just more, more Martin Short because he he loves it. You know, he loves he loves the role. So yeah, and I think. We talked about it briefly, but that it is this sort of threesome. This it is this weird. You couldn't get away with it. Well, you, maybe you do it differently, but this weird threesome effect. Like he's really into, he's really into Dennis Quaid's Tuck's girlfriend. Tuck's really inside of him, and there's a baby, and there's there's a kiss, and she gets tra- he gets transferred. There's a lot of. There's fluid. a lot of stuff. There's a lot of fluid exchange going on, which I think might be a metaphor for something. But I have um, when I when I work it out, I'll tell you what it is. There's a man inside you. The man inside me. The man inside me wants to kiss you. When he kisses yeah. you, I'm inside you now. Um, <laughs> okay. Hats off to um, Dennis Quaid, who has to do a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of plot exposition, all from being the man in the chair. Yeah. The guy um, in the chair and his main um his character defect is he's a drunk, a lovable rogue of a drunk. Yeah, um, and but but it's it's a great in terms of all the things in the mix in there, in terms of it's a great race against time concept. Yeah, it's a body swap, you know, comedy. Because yeah. yeah, essentially fish out of water. F- yeah, fish out well. of water. And there's a lot going on. And yeah, you do have the spy elements. We haven't even talked about the main villains, you know. Um <laughs> 
What's <laughs> I, I I can't remember what the but they're a great double act those two and especially when they get mi- micro sized. And they've got the little voices. They've got little voices like that. I love it. Love it. And again, look at all that forced perspective where they're like clearly in the back of a massive car or something. It's genius. No, I think it's it's superimposed. Uh, Did you get the scene between her and Mr. Igo that we probably missed when we were younger with the finger attachment? Yes. Or I don't know if it was cut. uh, That's what I was asking myself. I was like, I... It's I definitely a vibrator. Mr. Mr. Igo has a, a vibrator uh, dildo action. I don't uh, know if yeah. that came with the action figure. <laughs> <laughs> mummy, mummy, where's where's the vibe? No, mummy, where's the vibrator attachment? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure what else. Let me just see. Um, great car chase. I mean, we talked about his acting, but it is a great car chase. And when we were this age, George, we would rate a film. On whether or not it had a car chase. Oh yeah, or explosions. <laughs> yeah. No, there there is some really good action in this. There's some great. I, th- I think yeah, there's some great comedy. Um, I mean, there's a lot of obligatory eighty stuff. You've got a mandatory club scene. You've got shoulder pads. Kenny G. Kenny G. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's lots of um, lots of stuff in the mix, but I don't think it feels. I was struggling thinking about it, I'm, I'm struggling to think of anything i have an issue with i mean as you say there are no, some, i don't there are I some don't. questionable bits it couldn't be made as exactly as it is today i say in terms of him being an alcoholic and in an abusive relationship and some of the you know it is a little bit um maybe it would maybe they would they just handle it differently they'd shoot it differently they position it differently but i was thinking the same as you i couldn't i'd struggle to find anything wrong with it if anything you know one of the objectives we have here on retro ramble is like what does it look like going back to it today and i felt more of it worked like the whole um bit you know we're talking about with his doctor where he's like possessed that appealed to me on a scale that obviously didn't when i was younger do you know what i mean yeah. like, i think he's going psycho i think because when we were younger it was just like oh yeah he's crazy he thinks he's got something whereas now it was like there's another level to it it's like well that's it it's like it's the hypochondriac and yeah you yeah, get all exactly. this there's yeah there's there's different uh i mean i always remember that that great joke where he's chatting to him when he's in the toilets and the guy's like don't talk to it pal play with it yeah yeah play with it but don't talk to it pal um can i i just i wrote down because i just thought it was a brilliant quote um there's two there's two there's uh oh yeah the other thing i want to say is let's smoke inside because a we lot, can yeah sorry I've, I've got a lot of smoking and a smoke, lot of smoking yeah no one of my favorite quotes is let's drink to the man who tried to save my ass by injecting me into yours <laughs> love it. I, I love it it's just a brilliant quote and uh, these are both from dennis quaid and um it's like when things are at their darkest, it takes a brave man to sit back and party. <laughs> just nice. Thought, just some, and I'm like, is that ad-libbed? Is that, yeah. is that script? But uh, I did like the one about saved my ass by injecting me into yours. I thought, um, brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have, um, I don't have any, any negative things to say. I think, I think what I would like to talk about, because we haven't really covered is this was a big film for us growing up, wasn't it? It was like, um, yeah, was, I, just to just to make my point here, that we saw the trailer for this on other videos we were watching at the time, didn't we? I can yeah. remember seeing trailers for this on VHS. Yeah, um, I remember. Uh, I remember James Glendening and I like always buying our bucks the music in it. Obviously, you've got a lot of Sam Cook in. Uh, is it Cook or Cookie? I can't remember. It's Sam Cook. Yeah, you don't pronounce the. 
is the, the ear silent. Um, but yeah, it's got some great music in it. And I remember that, yeah, that whole scene where Martin Short's drunk dancing around Dennis Quaid's apartment. I remember like loving that as a kid because it's just so zany and and off the good wall. Buddy, and, good buddy moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember us really enjoying it. And as you say, there's there's a lot of stuff that probably went over our heads, but there's loads there for like it is a great family film and again what you know spielberg was so good at those elements of magic that would appeal to a whole audience you know in terms of you've got action spectacle comedy romance um wonder and it's all and it's all you know wrapped together and it all works together really nicely and you know like any other f- family film you've got uh you know at least a handful of shits in there <laughs> yeah absolutely Absolutely. But no, I, I think, um, yeah, I think for me, I, I just, I remember this as being, this was a big deal. I think I remember, I, I just remember the trailer because the trailer had the voiceover guy and it was like Tuck Pendleton never made it into space. He trained, but never made it. Uh, he's going to do something crazy. And it was nuts. It was like, yeah, yeah he's going to go super small. Um, and we hadn't had really anything else like that. I remember some really weird film about some woman getting shrunk down late 70s well yeah i'd say there's the there's yeah obviously it's one of those classic stories sci-fi stories there's the incredible shrinking man um and yeah i say fantastic voyage there's there's quite a few sci-fi stories but in terms of from the comedy aspect i think that was the fresh spin on it but you say you know it like it being a big hit with us uh ironically it was a, a bit of a box office dud because yeah Joe Dante said it that it was marketing that fumbled it. So it was a huge right. success in the test screenings and the the, the studio were like, oh, this film's going to do great. And he said, but if, if you look at the original poster and if you go on IMDb, it's just a, a, a finger and a thumb holding the pod. There's like, there's, it doesn't really tell you anything about the film. It doesn't tell you it's a comedy. And yeah. he said they tried to, they redid a poster and they tried to like re remarket it by, but by that point the damage was done. So I think it was made for about 25 million and it made about 42 million at the box office. So what you know usually they say double it double the the production but, yeah, yeah um to include marketing but it became a huge hit on video. I was um, going to say and I think that's why it resonates with us. Yeah. I think that's why it was a big film for I us I, I we, think we, well we, I would have been too young to see we it. We were at the both cinema. I think we were yeah. both too young to see a film like this at the cinema but I think that's it. I think I remember seeing it as a trailer on VHS and then watching it on VHS and rewatching it and rewatching it. Uh, but for me, yeah, this because it's the Spielberg effect, and yeah, and and later on, a few years, I said, "Oh, it's the guy from Commando." You know, well, I, I remember being um, quite. There, there are some scary, scary. elements. Yeah, yeah, I, I, scary, yeah, I remember that bit with with Mister Igo when they send him in, and again, it's that brilliant action sci-fi spectacles like the bad guys have got the, the the tech and it's better and badder and sleeker and stuff like that. And yeah, when they send him in with the clippy claws and and you get, he finally takes off his glasses and you see those crazy eyes. Yeah, that did used to freak me out. Well, I also think that watching it again today, I was, because I, I just watched Tenet again recently and I don't know, I'm seeing when the terrorists take over the lab and they've got the fire yeah. I was like, this is this is like Nolan. This is like <laughs> 80s answer to Christopher Nolan. You know, like terrorists are just gassing everybody coming in, like precise, you know, absolute precision. I thought that was a really strong opening. So, yeah, I mean, for me, 
I can't think of anything negative. Oh, we haven't talked about the cliffhanger. This film ends on a cliffhanger. It does. Where's the, se- I, where's the sequel? Don't yeah, tell me this no, one. Please no, don't I, tell me this one. <laughs> no, there's there's a, a someone's made a, a fa- like there's a Spanish fan movie that was made that's about like 18 minutes long. Uh and the the only thing Señor Señor Pendleton. Señor <laughs> Pendleton. Um but yeah, it, it, and I think maybe because it was that that cinematic flop that it never got it does end on and i I always remember as a kid it ending on a cliffhanger and i think dennis quaid said in an interview a couple of years ago someone said oh are you going to have a an inner space reunion anytime soon and he said i'll watch this space but as of yet nothing has happened uh i mean i've been talking to stallone yeah we're gonna make it it's it's on the list of stallone projects to come yeah, Tango and Cash in a space, save money. Just you, they're going to do a, a canon. They're just going to reuse the same sets. <laughs> but the one question I have about the finale, Charlie, what is Jack's doctor doing at their wedding? Seems very. It's sort of like let's bring everyone back. Do you remember this guy? Yeah, but we need to fill up. I think it's one of those things you probably will have seen in other films. When there's stuff like that at a wedding, they need. And, it's, it and it gives people. that sort of cathartic release for, for Jack is he's cured. And You're I love not that, insane, Jack. You're a secret yeah, agent now. Yeah. And I love, we haven't talked about Wendy, the, the, the girl from the yeah. supermarket. She's brilliant. Yeah. But, good yeah. acting from her. Yeah, I mean, I've slept with everyone else in the supermarket, but you're the one I really like. <laughs> I and she's she, chain smoking. She, yeah, that that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And like there's there are some things that they skate over very quickly that are so so 80s, but um, so great. Well, there's a few other things I've got in my notes. So two 80s things. One's very Spielbergy, and I always it's the robotic arms that always reminds me of Sp- <laughs> so you think of Back to the Future and, yeah. and Gremlins as well. Microchips, big in the 80s. Really Microchips. big, and uh, the 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 pim thing, which is really just a sprocket or a bolt, but well, they sprayed what, it red. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The microchips. I do like how they actually do take the 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 piss in this film, where at the beginning you like you watch the robot do it, and then in the end the guy just like picks it up and just shoves it in. Yeah, um, and we also need uh, a nod to the fabulous uh, Jerry Goldsmith and the soundtrack, which again. Sounds I've put proto total recall. There are bits that sound a little bit. Is there any coulda, woulda, shoulda? There are. So I say I've left off the one that literally had every leading actress in the 80s down for the um for the Meg Ryan role. Um, but for, there's some interesting ones for the role of Jack, um, you know, Martin Short's character. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. So, Robin Williams. Wow, that could have been. Well, he would have. Would he have taken? Would he have stole the show more than Martin Short? Probably. Um, yeah. I'm wondering whether this one was from the, when it was a serious script because Mel Gibson. I think that was probably when it was a serious spy thriller because Mad Mad Mel was he done Mad Max? He hadn't done Lethal Weapon at this point. And obviously Mel went, did a bit more comedy stuff a bit later on. I think Mel Gibson was still sort of fairly serious yeah. then and yeah. and not very racist. Um, and finally, the only other person that I think would be great who would ironically go on to be in a small movie, Rick Moranis. 
Yeah, I was trying to think of what's the other um, small movie. Uh, yeah, the the honey. But obviously, honey Rick Moranis isn't shrunk until honey we shrunk ourselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, based on Rick Moranis' zany energy in Ghostbusters, I think he'd be he could be very good. Yeah, at, yeah. yeah, I think he he definitely could have worked. But let's not take anything away from Martin Short. But that is interesting. But they didn't think there was nobody else in terms of the vehicle. It was a Dennis Quaid vehicle. Yeah, I thought what you, well, I th- what you I th- were saying th- earlier on. Yeah, yeah. So I think both Dennis Quaid and and Martin Short were were cast fairly early on, and it was like they could see the chemistry that they those two had together, and they're like, yeah, this is going to work. And then they needed that that you know the third part of the trinity. They needed an actress that would work with those two. So I think that's why it took a long time to find the right actress with the right right amount of comedy spark not just a pretty face which meg white meg ryan was brilliant at you know she was gorgeous and was a very talented comedy actress and obviously we have to talk about that meg ryan and dennis quaid you know got together we're we're, a, we're an item for about 20, well 15 years uh, i think after this some serious chemistry um but yeah and and as for her i'm sure she's happy with the money she's made it's just a shame that she she did unfortunately get typecast into a lot of romantic type roles. Mm. Uh, but but no, now that their son's doing very well, so he's um, is it Jack oh, he... Quaid is is the geeky guy in the boys. He's is it Huey? Oh why? Oh right! Oh my god! So yeah, he's he, so yeah. that their son is is he's doing well for himself. Yeah, no, he's 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 very good, and obviously uh, the boys is brilliant for mm. for all its own reasons. Okay, uh, anything else you want to add about Inner Space while we're on it? It was great to get for me, great to go back. Nothing to complain about. This for me, this is what this podcast is about. You know, it is going back to films of that have this sort of resonance with me. Yeah, that. no, absolutely. I mean, I think this is a perfect example of eighties magic of. They don't make them like they used to. I think it's it's it holds it really well. It's a great family film it you know it's a great sort of knockabout high concept comedy that i really enjoy revisiting you know so yeah it's been a joy to to go back it's been a joy to talk about it um so yeah a lot of fun and i you know i just encourage our, our listeners to to go back and and check it out if they haven't watched it in a while absolutely yeah because i it's you said you watched this a few years ago yeah i have not watched this for a long time but it's one of those films we watched it so much that there weren't too many surprises, but the surprises that came were very welcome. Okay, great. Well, that was Inner Space in 987, as George and I recommend. If you've not seen it for a while, go back and check it out. Recent rambles are on the way. If you haven't already, be sure to get those extra episodes. We're on our on pa- Patreon channel. Yeah, on our Patreon channel. Um, subscriptions are available um, for a very reasonable price, and you're getting double the amount of content. We cover the recent films, what's out of the cinema now, um, and some other crazy stuff, uh, revelations, stuff that missed us somehow because there's only so many films that the Glendinnings allowed us to watch. <laughs> no, um, they only had so many videos in that giant cupboard. It was a different time. It was a different time. Not like um, the analysis paralysis that can happen with all mm. of the, the streaming services available. So uh, anything else to mention, George? They can get us on, uh, obviously, check out the blog for everything else, retroramble.blog, social media channels. Am I, am I forgetting yeah, anything? I, I mean, I think we, we always just goes out, out saying is that, yeah, we are a, a little independent podcast so a miniature a miniature a, a miniature, miniature podcast but yeah if you do enjoy this podcast you know please spread the word 
uh, it means a lot to Charlie and I, you know, and I think all the main social channels, we haven't uh, um, degraded ourselves on TikTok yet. We, we, but, you know, it's probably only around the corner before we start up a TikTok channel. Uh, if you've got any thoughts, suggestions, leave us a review, any film suggestions, get in touch, let us know. Excellent. Uh, can we share what might be coming up next? Yes, uh, something that we've had, uh, I've I've wanted to put on the schedule for a long time because it's a big fat slice of cheese. We're going to do Armageddon. Oh my God, Aerosmith! I don't want Affleck. to miss a thing. So yes, I don't want to say goodbye, but it's the end of the podcast. Um, oh my God! Don't close my eyes. Um, so yes, uh, a Michael Bay joint. Michael Bay at his biggest. No, he went bigger, but I don't know. Destroying the world is is pretty big for Michael Bay. Um, why did Why didn't you just train astronauts to drill? Sorry. Shut up, Ben. <laughs> Shut up, Ben. Okay. Uh, oh my God, that that's that's gonna be fun. That's so I'm looking in. forward to revisiting Armageddon. I haven't watched that yeah. in a long while. I oh. think I'm gonna have to have a few beers, a stiff drink, perhaps. Some serious bayhem on the way, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, that is brilliant. It's been great to cover Inner Space. Thank you for listening. Uh, great to speak to you, brother. And uh, looking forward to the next one. So uh, for this episode, I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.